we're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance, so I started something. I mean, I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. My guest today is Kevin Rogers. Welcome, Kevin. Good to see you. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Yeah, super excited to have you on. So Kevin is known as the Copy Chief. Um, he runs um, he runs an event called Copy Chief Live, where one of our creative directors, uh, Johnny Vance, will be speaking this year in October, as well as you're the author of the 60-second sales hook. Um, but That's right. you actually got your start more in stand-up comedy and as a salesperson, right? Uh, before you went over to be more of a copywriter, where you're now a consultant for copywriters all over the world. Um, So tell us a little bit about that transition. Give us a little bit of your backstory on how you started out as a stand-up comedian and as a salesperson and then then kind of, you know, transformed into what you are now. Well, I was actually a really terrible salesperson as a stand-up comic, which is why my career ended after 10 years. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize there was a business part to show business. I was very focused on the show. And I, you know, I started when I was 18, and I was on the road full-time before I was 20. So it was a, it was a fast transition um, and stayed on the road off and on for, for almost 10 years. And then... Uh, it had a blast, you know, like toured all over the country, lived in Chicago for a number of years, lived in L.A. for about a year trying to break into uh, TV writing and um, uh, had a really good time. It's a great thing to do in your your young 20s, Daniel. Uh, <laughs> then, you know, you get tired of road food and, and being broke and, and bitter comics as your only <laughs> uh, confidants, you know. <laughs> And uh, holiday in lounges and drunk strangers. And uh, I, I, I had this moment where I remember, I remember the, the, the exact moment it ended. I was in a holiday in lounge in Warner Robins, Georgia. And the uh, MC was introducing me. And I remember looking around the room thinking, I would pay everything I have to anyone in this room to go pretend to be me right now. <laughs> and... I realized, okay, this is probably not fair. They're not getting their money. These fine folks have done nothing wrong. (laughs) I'm the problem here, you know? And uh, so I got off the road and uh, then, you know, I was doing, uh, I knew the one thing I knew in life that, that, that for sure after that, after sort of quitting comedy was that I knew the woman I was supposed to marry. I was fortunate enough to meet her when we were 19 of course, we couldn't be together where I was trying to become a famous comedian and she was doing her stuff. And fortunately, we were able to get together and we got married in Chicago. Then we knew we wanted to start a family, moved back here to Florida and St. Petersburg, where, where I live happily now. Our kids are uh, 13 and 15. And so, but in that in-between period, man, it was like no resume jobs. Like, how do I reinvent myself? I had one line item on my resume, you know, mm-hmm. stand-up comedian, 1988 to 1998. And uh, I had to figure it out. And through a crazy, windy, twisty road, found copywriting and realized, wow, this is everything I love and could be good at. So that's when I started to learn sales. And so that I could inject that 
with entertaining writing and the rest of the sort of history. Awesome. Where did you, what sources did you go to, to learn your sales knowledge? Yeah. So I was uh, working for a friend of mine uh, from that I knew from the comedy world and he actually ran a, a telemarketing phone room, which is not my favorite kind of sales at all, mm -hmm. but uh, it did put my feet to that. I didn't get on the phones, but I sort of helped worked with him in running the company. And I was actually in charge of compliance, uh, which was a really good way to learn sales because I had to keep those guys clean on the phones, yeah, right? Yeah. I was the one that had to, uh, if there, everybody, if someone complained or, uh, we had a, a complaint at the BBB, I would defend our, uh, our, our, our contract. And so it was important to me that they were not pitching heat or, or doing shady things. And so I really learned so almost from, from a weird angle, what sales was like and how it worked. Um, and a friend of mine, uh, was consulting at that company. He became a friend and he turned me on to the people who are now sort of my, my marketing heroes, the, the Dan Kennedys and the mm -hmm. Gary Halberts and the, and the John Carlton, who, who's a great friend of mine now. Uh, and, and those were the great copywriters. So when I saw how the written word could be combined with salesmanship, that's when it got really exciting for me. Yeah. And did you find that that came pretty naturally to you where you had done a lot of writing for your own stand-up acts that Right, mm -hmm. writing that kind of stuff was probably maybe even easier to come up with in some cases than, you know, trying to come up with the next big joke. It was in a sense. Yeah. Like the first thing I ever wrote that I would call copy, I was actually mocking the craft mm. because I, 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 I was just particularly mocking really hypey sales copy that you sometimes see. Yeah. And which I've never been a fan of. And yeah. so, um, I was mocking it. I, I was writing a satirical version of what I thought that was. And the, and my friend who I showed it to as, as a bit of a joke said, he goes, I know, I know you're kind of being a, an a-hole here. He said, but uh, this is actually better than most copy I see, you know? <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, so suddenly and like now I'm judging myself as a copywriter. Yeah. And then I came to respect like how hard it is to do well. And yeah, then I started to, get into the science of it. And, and it, so it, it started out easy and then became hard yeah. because I believed it was supposed to be. And along the way, you know, I, it's, it's still hard and easy on any given day. Yeah. When did you start copy chief? So 2016, I actually started in 2014. Okay. And as kind of a, um, side thing there was there was no forum at the time everybody in the world now has a facebook group that they want every copywriter to join to teach them how to write better email subject lines or whatever sure but uh, back in 2014 there was no quality forum you know where people could just come together and share and learn um kind of like what you guys are doing in hbu right mm -hmm. uh and so um there had been a forum when I started out and it, it got shut down and I really missed that camaraderie and I learned so much there. So I started copy chief in 2014 to model that. And it's been, uh, it's been really successful. Very good. Congratulations on your success. That's awesome. Thank you. So can you tell me about a time in your career where you've had a crappy situation, you've been able to turn it into something positive. What's your, what's your from poop to gold moment? Yeah, I thought it's a great question. I, I thought about it. And uh, it, it's just the exact thing we're talking about. Mine was sort of self-induced, right? 
sometimes things happen to you and you have to dig out of them. Like I almost died in, in 2005, had open heart surgery, oh, right? Uh, you know, and yeah. uh, it's amazing to be given uh, the gift of life after an episode like that. But that happens to you. Right. What's interesting about business is we, we, we ask for this, right? Yeah. We ask for these challenges and these complications. So right in 2016, uh, two years into Copy Chief, I realized I had to make a choice. I either had, because I was work, doing client work before then, and um, I could not keep up both. And I, I was at a crossroads and um, I knew I wanted to do Copy Chief. So I fired all my existing clients in uh, January 2016, literally turned off, you know, um, good five figures a month in, in kind of easy money, like consulting gigs. But mm-hmm. I knew I had to devote kind of burn the ships and go all in. So 2016 was my poop to gold year because I had to reinvent how I generated revenue, mm-hmm. right? It was like, you know, just have an annual or monthly subscription to, 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 to the form was not going to be enough to replace that old income. I had to figure out what bigger value can I give to people? What can I uh, teach people, help them do? What result can I help them get that's going to be worth uh, as much as I was making as a freelancer. So it was challenging. There were a lot of a long uh, walks with the dog that year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where my wife's like texting me like, you you okay? You've been gone an hour and a half. Has, has it been that long? I'm panicking out here, but I don't want you to see me. <laughs> but little by little, we try stuff and, uh, and figure out what's working. And by 2017, things were much better. And We've had, you know, uh, doubled our our um, success every year since then in Copy Chief. So I'm glad I did it. But that that year was pretty challenging. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's um, a little bit of an innovator's dilemma type of an approach, right? That for a while you kind of have to allow a really healthy portion of your business to to fall or be absorbed by some of what you're doing when you're trying to innovate on something else. In your case, right. it was just a matter of where you were going to spend your time, right? But um, that if you if you don't innovate on yourself and you don't disrupt your own your own thing, someone else is eventually going to come along and do it for you, right? Yeah, it's hundred percent right. And you know, it was also having learn how to run a business. Yeah. You know, like b- being a freelancer is running a business, but it's it's very transactional. It's very direct. Yeah, right. It's like okay, I, I will buy this project from you, you will devote the next six weeks to it. Yeah. And you do that. And, but it's very unscalable. Um, this was okay. Now I'm got to, I got to bring people in and I got to figure out how to run a team. And this, this whole skill set that I, I knew I would, I think it's like allowing yourself to fail. Like you said, it's like scary to, to consciously go, I got to go screw this up. That's right in order to figure out how to do it right. You can hire coaches and have mentors and those things, but there are still those lonely dog walks where you're like, man, I'm goofing this up and I hope I make it through. <laughs> yeah, no, that it's, it's so true. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Well, tell, tell us a little bit about your creative process as um, a writer. Where do you find you get your best flow for ideas? Um, and then how do you go about identifying which ones are good and 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 developing those and testing them out. That's like six questions in one. <laughs> but maybe just start with yeah, your your brain space that you go to to get to get those ideas. 
Sure. Yeah. I would say in its purest form, it's, it's, it's almost a feeling like when you're ready to write, I don't know if you get that, Daniel. Um, I do. I know you guys do is very collaborative, but somebody has to have the idea, right? And you yep. guys are all bringing ideas to the table. For me, it's, um, so I write the emails that go out to my, to my subscribers. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, and I'll, my favorite is, you know, I typically block the first four hours of the day for me to have that writing space. And hopefully if there's no disruption, uh, I can have this moment where I have a seed of an idea and you sit down at the keyboard and you start uh, working it out mm -hmm. and it starts flowing. And sometimes it just comes right out. And other times you got to noodle with it a little bit, but man, at the end of that moment, it, it it's kind of magical. And um, I, I'm always happiest when I'm, if I'm making myself laugh or, making myself a little uncomfortable, <laughs> different mm -hmm. parts of the email. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. I got to give this extra care because it might be dangerous, uh, but it's going to be good because it's challenging me, right? Or amusing me yeah. rather than just kind of, you know, reaching the finish line, you know? Yeah, I like that. Um, I like the fact that you're kind of setting apart sacred time at the beginning of the day to really make that happen. I think one of the biggest mistakes that people can make both when they get up in the morning or when they get into work or sit down to do their work, depending on if they're doing it from home or not, is that they'll go to their phone first thing oh, and, yeah. and they'll go check Facebook. And I think that's the worst thing you can do. Um, yeah. And, and it, it's like if, if, you go, if you're going to your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, um, or your email or your Slack or whatever it is, if you're going to any of that first, then you're basically – allowing the rest of the world to dictate your schedule. You're allowing 100%. those demands to come in on you rather than you dictating what you're going to do and rather than you jumping in with some of the most productive, focused hours of the day and hitting what you need to hit first. Like it's it, it's incredible to me that that um, the people jump on it. I shouldn't say it's incredible. Yeah. I know the temptation. I've been there. I'm like I, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm constantly battling that back myself. Of like, okay, I'm starting my day very intentionally. I'm going to do it this way. I'm not going to go jump on on Facebook and see what's going on. And when I get in, into work, I'm not going to check my email and start being pulled around by all that. Instead, I'm going to focus yeah. in on this project I need to get done now. And I'll get to that later. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because that creative space is sacred like that. It, it really is. I was talking about that seed of an idea, right? Mm -hmm. And if I if I were to go on my phone and ch or check email, that's gone. Like mm -hmm. that kernel of inspiration, that idea I had, I may never even remember it again, let alone be able to execute on it and yeah. have that sort of moment where I'm channeling into. And it's not like I'm writing you know, uh, the, the great American novel here, but yeah. it, but you do feel it when it's good. Yeah. Right. And, and what, what I love about, you know, we talk about the creative process and what's important and how to communicate with, to me, I, I call it the dialogue. And I say the single most valuable thing we can have as marketers is a dialogue with our audience. And because they, that is everything that is like live energy that will instruct everything we should be doing if we're if we're respecting it and paying attention to it they will tell us what they want to learn from us what they'll pay to learn from us what they you know how we can provide value to them and when you feel something you're communicating uh those are the ones that always get the reply 
You yeah. know, we have all these stats to measure how successful an email was. What's the open rate? What's the click through rate? All these data points. But to me, it's the personal reply. If they read it and got to the end and hit reply and were compelled to share or make a, a funny comment back or something, I'm like, that was a successful email. That's dialogue. Mm, yeah, that's fantastic. What are, what are some of your main techniques or the things that you like to do as far as networking goes? Obviously, that's a big portion of your business. Um, what, what pointers do you have there or kind of three principles that you abide by in networking? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, well, I can tell you one thing that, you know, I was always horrible at networking when I thought of it as a transactional proposition. Okay. Right? The The... The first time I ever went to a conference, I w- it was I embarrassed myself so bad because I went there and I had these these uh, samples of my work printed out, right? And I'm like, um, are yelling at myself like, you said you would hand some of these out, you've got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like going to people, I'm like, I made this thing, you should read it, and then I'm like, they're trying to like engage me about it, but I'm like, I didn't want to bother you, I'll just, uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like running away. It was horrible, right? I felt uh-huh. felt so unnatural. And so I thought, okay, that can't be the way to do it. So, so my rule with networking is just talk, like just connect as humans. And, you know, people are like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to small talk. Small talk's great. Small talk is a way for us to, it's almost like dogs sniffing each other. We're letting each other know <laughs> it's safe here, right? Uh-huh. Hey, what's going on with the weather? All you're finding out is, is this person crazy? <laughs> are they going to stab me or are they surly? Do they not want to be bothered right now? Right. A little bit of friendly banter back and forth is a perfectly great way to start a conversation. And it can quickly lead to something unique to bond about, right? Yeah. And now you've got some kind of chemistry going. And then if you start talking business, it's a much greater proposition, a much better better opportunity to, to land somewhere productive than if you were just to walk up and, and hand somebody a card. Yeah. So, so what, and, and, you know, look, writers who I coach freelance copywriters primarily are huge introverts for the most part. Right. So what we do at copy chief live is we created, uh, we put writers into groups and we move them through tables of potential clients who want to hire them and they pitch the writers and, and the writers get to learn all about the opportunity without it being this sort of forced, awkward, one-on-one nerve wracking transaction. And uh, that's been super productive because we thought about how can we get the writers to be in the situation without feeling a ton of pressure. That's, that's good. You're trying to create a little bit more natural way for them to get to know each other as humans and stuff without all the pressure of like, here's the pitch. (laughs) That's that's great. Talk to me about the fate, one of your favorite projects that you've ever worked on as a copywriter. What, um, Sure. Or like a favorite, a favorite client of some kind or sure, yeah. what, what does that bring to mind? Say, what might I say one of your favorite yeah. projects as a writer? Yeah, that's kind of an easy one because my, my favorite one ever was with a guy named Dr. Joe Vitale. I don't know if you've heard of him, but uh, he's yeah. an author of many books. He's a, he's a, a, a law of attraction guy. Mm-hmm. And you know, that can be hokey sometimes, but he's the genuine article, right? He really gets results for people and you see how this cat lives and it's, he's tapped into something special and he was really easy to work with. And what I loved about the gig was uh, we were brought in early as the copywriters on the project uh, to help with the product creation and the ad. And so we went to, he lived in Wimberley, Texas, just outside of Austin there. 
and we uh, had four days with a full film crew. And uh, we basically wrote the product, created the product and the promo in real time at the event. So what we did was we, uh, because he has a, a, you know, a a group of fans and readers and, and folks. So we invited, we held a contest and we said to his audience, uh, we're going to pick five people to come spend two days with Dr. Joe. And uh, he's going to teach you uh, a, a new process he's working on. And you're going to be a case study group and you're going to get free coaching from Dr. Joe as a result of this. So it was, and it was really that genuine. He'd never met these people, not even on the phone. He showed up, they showed up, they were nervous and excited. They, they, they were uh, a genuine swath of, of all different, you know, lifestyles and, and, and uh, kinds of people. And he, he told me later, he literally made up the product on the way to the, oh <laughs> on the gosh. way to the shoot. It scared me a little, but he, he's, but he's just that good. And he really lives in the moment and it, it really worked out great. And, uh, that was the most exciting to me because we prepared a lot and we had the scripts written, but we had to leave room for spontaneity and for what this product was really kind of about. Yeah. And of course, we had no way to know if he was, he was basically having like, we were recording therapy sessions that he was doing and we didn't know, would they respond? Would they really, would he have breakthroughs or would they be like, I don't know, I'm not feeling it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay, well, that's a wasted day. Yeah. So that, that was the best one to me where, where, uh, you know, we had, it, it was almost like it was like being a true producer and not just a copywriter. Because so often we write our copy in a vacuum and it goes out there and we just hear back data points again, right? Right. This was like really rolling up our sleeves and immersing in the process. Yeah, almost like in a, in a startup kind of a <laughs> sense, like they're like you said, producing a lot more creative elements to it, right? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time, Kevin. It's been a pleasure to to talk to you. Where should our audience look you up? Yeah, copychief.com. That's where they can, uh, I have a uh, podcast they might enjoy if they're into writing, copywriting, uh, you know, salesmanship in print um, uh, is what we call it. And uh, if you want to write better copy for your business, uh, we can always help. So copychief.com. Awesome. Thank you. And we got your address now. So our producer, Keith, I think sent you a copy of From Poop to Gold our book. And for those of the audience awesome. that haven't checked it out yet, you can check that out at harmanbrothersbook.com. And remember to follow and subscribe so you can get more of this From Poop to Gold podcast. And we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, guys.